0: The Texans and Joe Flacco's sanity run. C.J. Stroud having himself a career performance. The Chiefs taking down the Dolphins in sub-zero degree weather. The Packers walking into Jerryland and taking down the Cowgirls. The Lions getting their first playoff win in almost thirty or over thirty years. The Bills finally playing against the Steelers and taking care of business. And the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield. Redemption Tour continues. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. good evening you are listening to the fumble Rooski podcast by power 88 dean radio and secret weapon consulting i'm chris kostich along with the founder adam wright and mr joe flacco is non elite cj medeiros super wild card weekend finally coming to a close and it did not disappoint we'll start with the saturday games texans beating the Browns 45 to 14 and this was a close one up until the second quarter when the Texans went up 24 to 14 and it ended up being where Flacco threw those two interceptions and it was kind of he threw the first one and he thought all right well there's your bad pick it wasn't the worst pick in the world and then back-to-back plays he throws the second pick and you knew it was all over it was all over texans were gonna really take over from there cj stroud 16 for 21 274 yards and three touchdowns a near perfect quarterback rating on the day
1: thoughts from you fellas just opening thoughts to start it was good while it lasted but two pick sixes sacked four times that was, I mean, this was a great performance by not just CJ Stroud, but also the Houston Texans defense. Just shows how far this team has come along in such a short amount of time. Such a young team and such a bright future. Uh Nick Casario, I've said this so many times over the past over the past year or so. He's done a a tremendous job since joining the Texans. Um he's bi- he literally he tore this team down and then built it back up in seconds. It's unbelievable.
2: Well, for me, this says more about the... Well, actually, no, no, no. It says more about the Texans, but let's just focus on the Browns real quick. Oh, my God. What happened? Like the meme. What happened? You know something? I think this might be a case where maybe, just maybe, their injuries finally caught up with them. Because the injury bug was ravaged them like the Black Plague ravaged Europe, and yet the Browns kept fighting. They kept winning. Deshaun Watson, you know, Nick Chubb, both of their offensive tackles and some other key pieces on defense out due to injury, and they just kept winning. And here, I think this is where you couldn't stave off the inevitable anymore because they were playing like an injured team. Joe Flacco threw more touchdowns to the Texans' defense than he did his own team. And just what a way, what a statement, though, by Houston. You could go to the next round and, you know, get blown out, but it doesn't matter because C.J. Stroud is here. This is C.J. Stroud's way of saying, I am here, I am legit, and I am the future of the Texans. And the te- and keep in mind, the Texans themselves have had quite a few injuries, most notably Tank Dell. And, you know, you had some other guys on defense, like Jonathan Grenard, among others, that missed some games. But the Texans are a good young team, and they're going to be exciting to watch. And I think this is the game, like I said, that puts C.J. Stroud on the map. And he officially has as many playoff wins as Deshaun Watson does. So there's that.
1: It was... It was Joe Flacco who was t- keeping this team afloat during down the stretch. I mean, if they didn't, if they didn't bench Joe Flacco in the final game of the season, this team's twelve and five. That's unheard of. That a quarterback way past his prime is coming back into the league after being on the couch two months ago, and is leading your team to a high playoff spot. Like the fifth seed is nothing to sneeze at. That's just outside of being a, being a division champion if it weren't for uh, Lamar Jackson and, and company doing what they're doing over in Baltimore. So I just think we were all deluding ourselves and giving ourselves false hope by believing that Joe Flacco was going to take this team to a Super Bowl. I think we we thought it was a great story. We were all hoping for it. He was playing well enough, but it wasn't going to last. And this past game proved that. I think we all thought, well, a lot of us, Thought there was going to be a really strong chance the Browns would beat them or at least put up a solid fight. This was a strong, cold, hard reality check.
0: Yeah. And you would have thought this game would have been closer, too. I, I feel like the Browns, I was not expecting the Texans defense to step up the way they did. And to kind of piggyback off of that, I'm very disappointed in the Browns defense. You would have thought that they would have shown up, acted like a top 10 defense, and they must have just left their soul in Cleveland or something. It was The defense did not show up. Not saying that the offense didn't show up either because they didn't. They only put up 14 points, and they got shut out in the second half. But the Browns defense didn't help out the cause either, and C.J. Stroud kind of just had his way all day with them. Shredded them to pieces. Like I said, near perfect passer rating, and should
1: be should be a fun one against Baltimore next week. There was this one stat that one of our one of the fan pages that we are associated with posted, and it was the home road splits for the Cleveland Browns defense, and the difference is actually astronomical. All I was, was actually just doing about it, to
0: say you can even look at their road re- record and. In- think that the browns were probably going to struggle in this game in general
1: but i mean it just shows how much their defense was here we go um by nfl contents shout out to you guys uh this is an this is a great post at home 13.8 points per game allowed on the road 31.3 points per game allowed this is home and home road splits over the whole season um 126.3 yards yards per game allowed passing. Um, that was at home. 215.8 on the road. Rushing yards per game. 89.5 allowed. pretty solid number. 118.1 on the road. Takeaways tied at 14. so they were a pretty good team at taking the ball away. Home or, home more on the road. um then obviously the record eight and one at home three and six on the road so it looks like this team really did live and die by the defense a defense that this is a very rare case especially since defenses travel this one did not travel this team they were they left their their best defense at home which is usually not the case with defenses so this is an interesting one
2: yeah yeah it looks like they got a bit of the old uh, cowboy syndrome there i was just about to say that
1: it it really shows goes
0: to show how important having a home playoff game can be. I mean, you look at the all six games from this weekend; every single home team won, besides uh, the Cowboys.
1: That is true. Yeah uh, what what a yeah. way they lost. We'll get to that soon. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to before we like real quick before we move on. I just wanted this one question for you guys how far do we really believe this Texans team can make it? Because they're having a little insanity run themselves with their youth movement.
0: Yeah. That, that, well, that's the thing is that they're so far ahead of schedule compared to everyone else. It seems. And, you know, I even thought that they would be a first round exit just because, you know, the youth of a team can only get you so far. And, you know with Joe Flacco's experience you would have thought that this would at least be a closer game never mind a 45-14 blowout and you would have thought that Joe Flacco would have found a way to get the Browns on top just off of experience alone but at the end of the day youth can youth can run you sometimes right and but <laughs> with how good the Ravens are it the the ball's probably going to stop in Baltimore for Houston. um, But it doesn't mean that I don't see them potentially getting an upset in Baltimore and getting themselves to the AFC championship.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I don't see them making any, it any further no. than the Ravens. They, they may be the team of tomorrow, but the Ravens are the team of today. I mean, they armored up their roster over the offseason specifically for this season and to, to keep their quarterback Lamar Jackson happy. So um, this is, this is the Ravens year. It's, it's, it's super bowl or bust for them.
2: So the thing for the Texans is I think Adam, you put it perfectly. They are the team of tomorrow. Like I said, CJ Strauss announced he's here, but again, well, what good is that going to do you now? You have the, you got to travel because look, it's all good and fun to win at home, but now you have to travel to Baltimore to face the best team in the league. I wish you luck, but the Ravens, I think, just outflank them. But I will add this one caveat here. And when I say they're the team of tomorrow, and when Adam says it, we really mean it because they have a bright future. Their roster doesn't, isn't exactly stacked with name value guys and splashy players but they're getting the job done with the young talent they have and don't look now they have almost 75 million in cap space to play with this off season they could be really dangerous by kickoff next year that is all
0: i like it anything else you guys want to touch on before we move on all right we'll go to Kansas City Dolphins just looking helpless against Kansas City. Final score twenty six to seven. I'm surprised that Miami even scored a touchdown, and the one touchdown they got was on basically a fluky play, fluky big play by Tyreek, and then that was their lone touchdown. But the entire game was basically just Kansas City. It just didn't look like my. No one wanted to be there, but especially Miami. And when you, and LeJarrius Sneed with one of the best cornerback reps I've ever seen and just planting Tyree Kill into the ground, didn't even let him get out of his stance. It was, when you see that, you kind of just knew that the Dolphins had zero chance. And it kind of makes you wonder how tough the Dolphins really are because, Granted, they suffered a lot of injuries on the defensive end, but this Miami team just lacks toughness in, in general.
2: Miami. Adam, you're muted. Adam. <laughs> um,
1: well the issue is really that this team I mean, this is a this is an issue with most uh this with most warm weather teams, is that once you travel to cold colder climates that you're kind of screwed. Because most of the time they get used to it. This is kind of the same thing with some colder weather teams. Once they go south, then they're not always the same team. This the same the the same case has been the, has been true for Aaron Rodgers for years. If you look at his splits in warmer weather in warmer weather climates versus the the frozen tundra that he's used to, it's very different. It's very different the way he plays. Um, but the, I think it does go past that because they only beat in the past 16 months they've only beat one team above 500 and it was the cowboys it's the cowboys who just got embarrassed this weekend well again that's a, another team we're going we're going to touch on but like that is eye opening and it's it's I, it tells me it feels like those talent around tua is really overshadowing the true talent that that kid has He's a solid quarterback. He's okay, but he's certainly not as good as the the um, the stats that he put up su- puts up suggests. Because he has Tyreek Hill, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Cedric Wilson, you have Raheem Mostert, you have Devin Achan, Right? This is the most armored roster I have seen a mediocre quarterback have. Actually, scratch that, Brock Purdy. But you know.
2: Well, 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 looks like at the end of the day, Mike McDaniel does not, in fact, wish it was colder. Now, the thing is with Miami, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but my prediction came to pass. Miami, like I said, has has a lot of flash, has a lot of speed. And I said, speed and flash do not help you in the cold. And that is exactly what happened. Because I said this last episode, Miami is a team that can beat you in a lot of ways, but they cannot out physical you. They cannot play tough. Mentally and physically, they are not tough. And I can already hear Miami fans crawling out of the woodwork and saying, "But, but our defense was hurt. We didn't have Jalen Phillips or Andrew Van Ginkle or Bradley Chubb." To which I say, "You're right." However, I didn't realize that they played offense. The best offense in the league this season, or at least the top three offense in the league, put up seven. That is inexcusable. And I think Adam's right about, you know, Tua. It is high time we had a conversation about Tua. Because when you just look at how he plays and just his lack of mobility, and I'm sorry, he doesn't have an arm. It's just a check down, a Tyreek and Waddle, and then let them run it for an additional 15. It's bad. He's starting to look like a Polynesian Kirk Cousins. Except, I would argue, Cousins' arm is slightly better. It's just, And Mike McDaniel. Oh, no, no, no. I know, it's like, oh, he's hip. He's relatable. He's the young hotshot who talks trash. It's like, okay, and where has that gotten them? This Miami team is all flash and no substance. All sizzle, no steak. When his gimmicks are taken away, when his tricks are taken away, he gets out coached. I mean, you saw, like, the only team above 500 you beat were the Cowboys in Miami. You know, the Cowboys are notoriously terrible on the road. And and it's just, me if I'm wrong, hasn't he only ever beaten, like, two teams, like, above 500? Like, ever? I mean, it's only been two years, but still, it's bad. He cannot beat good teams. And the way I see it, this Dolphins team was exposed, and it's just a lack of toughness. And for the Chiefs, don't think the Chiefs are any better. They're they literally just kicked field goals the entire day, except for like a touchdown or two. So the Chiefs, you you look, they got bailed out because they were at home, and they and they were able to put the clamps on Miami but this death by field goals thing will not cut it especially since you have to go to buffalo a team that hates you and a team that wants to beat you 150 to nothing good luck
0: a team that's hungry as hell to beat you
1: yeah well like i'll i'll say this this game didn't prove anything for the no. chiefs for better or worse because like yes they um they settled for a lot of field goals made up nearly Half of all of their points they scored, 12 out of the 26. Um, The reason I say this doesn't prove anything is because it's a cold weather game. Of course, it's going to be to be low scoring. And um, you mean, I mean, this is mostly just the Dolphins being bad. So, yeah, it was it's not the best offensive showing for the Chiefs. But I mean, they won the game, so they won. Let's see how they look against the Bills because that's going to be a better indicator of whether this team is is legit or not. If they're back in the conference championship, then who are we to bet against the Chiefs now?
0: Yep. I also just want to point out that I called this exact scenario about week three, week four of this season and how Miami didn't have a ton of cold games to worry about at the end of the season. Their only two that they really had to worry about was black Friday against the jets. And then the game against the Ravens, which they got smoked in.
1: I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, that's yep. true.
0: And I said, they need to win. They need to win these warm weather games. The majority, at least the majority of them to, because winning games matters. Obviously home games matter. Just saying with the Texans home games matter. All, every single team besides one or that was at home won. And Miami didn't want to go out to Kansas City. They, you don't want to go out to Buffalo. You don't want to go out to Baltimore. And you put yourself into a spot where now you have to play in sub-zero degree weather where if you won your games, you would have been in 60 to 70 degree weather in the playoffs and not having to worry about anything and continue to play the way that you could play. And we saw it. This past weekend, I I the only time that I really saw Tua really throw the ball down the field was that big play to Tyreek that resulted in a touchdown. Other than that, like I said, it was all checkdowns and screens. They didn't try to throw the ball more than five yards down the field. It was ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and let, let's just tackle that before we end this segment. Let's not forget, Miami had a lot of space with the division lead, did they not? They They had quite a few games on Buffalo. In fact, three quarters of the way through the year, Buffalo was dead in the water. And you, the Dolphins, started losing. Whenever you played a team away that was above 500, you got embarrassed. And even though you beat the Cowboys, what what was that, like 22 20?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. You basically won
2: by a score. And it's like, and then what happens? You Buffalo goes on their miracle run, and while well, you slide, then either way, you still control your destiny for both teams. It was a win and you win the division and Buffalo tried their damnedest to hand you the game and you failed going into the playoffs. I knew this was an unserious team. And while this win proves nothing for the chiefs, it proves exactly what we thought about Miami.
0: Yep. Adam, you want to add anything else before we move on?
1: Yeah, I'll just say that um, I I place more when it comes to the Dolphins. I place more blame w- with the fact that they they didn't they didn't attempt many deep passes. I place more blame on the way the team was structured um, because if you if you live and die by the long ball, God forbid you have a windy cold day like this. Then you're gonna you're gonna end up having some trouble. So um, the fact they were forced to do the dink and dunk game and they failed to do so just says more about the way the team is structured. Um, and the fact that the, the Chiefs can win the ugly ones, right? Um, the the games where the defense locks down and you you settle for a few field goals, maybe you'll get a touchdown or two. If that's enough, if they can do that in the cold weather, then. Um, I kind of like their chances against Buffalo, especially since Buffalo is that another team like that that loves to live and die by the vertical air show.
0: Yeah. Um real quick, looking at the most playoff wins by a quarterback. So uh Mahomes now with twelve. He puts himself tied with Rodgers, with uh Aaron Rodgers. And he is one behind Brett Favre, Ben Roethlisberger, and Roger Staubach. Two behind Terry Bradshaw, John Elway, Steve Young, and Peyton Manning. He's three, excuse me, four behind Joe Montana. And 23 wins behind Tom Brady. But that goes, that's kind of impressive for Patrick Holmes in his sense because But he's six years in the league, already has this many playoff wins, and he's about to potentially surpass uh, some legends before the age of 30 already. So that's a little, just a little something to think about going into next week. So we'll move on. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the Sunday playoff games. You're listening to the Fumble Podcast. You're listening to the Fumble podcast. Chris Kosich, Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros going into the Sunday wild card weekend. Sunday part of the wild card weekend. Packers making the Cowboys look like Cowgirls. It was 27 to nothing at one point in the first half. Cowboys were able to get a score before the half ended. And then it, you know, 48 to 32 might look like. It was a really good game, but in reality, it really wasn't. It was just a lot of garbage time yards. Dak Prescott threw the ball 60 times because they were down so much. Jordan Love with a near-perfect passer rating as well, or he did have a perfect passer rating, I should say. 16 for 21, 272 yards, and three touchdowns. Jordan Love, he literally looks like Aaron Rodgers the way he was flinging the ball around just the throws he was making back off the back foot and just slinging it out there. Receivers were wide open all over the place. Like Stephon Gilmore is supposed to be your only real shutdown corner. And he, even him, even he was getting burnt by Romeo Dobbs. Um, Dak Prescott looked like he had the yips. They were just trying to force feed CD land the ball, the entirety of the first half. And it wasn't working at all. The first pick by Dak was bad. The second pick somehow is even worse, which resulted in a pick six to make it 27 to nothing. This, this game was so bad that Jerry Jones said that this was the worst loss of his life of his life. It kind of just makes you think that there's going to be a lot of changes coming up in Dallas because of this game and Jerry Jones And the funny thing about this game is that it's finally now come out that Jerry Jones once said that he asked God back in 1995 for one more ring, for that third ring, and he wouldn't ask for anything else. And they haven't even come close to the Super Bowl since then. They haven't even made the NFC Championship since then. Jerry Jones made a deal with God and it's come to bite him and his whole organization and the fan base in the ass.
1: What a time for Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, and Jim Harbaugh to be available. And right. the same time where, where they're finally realizing that Mike McCarthy isn't working out and they need to move on from him. If they don't get one of those three, then this offseason is a bust for the Cowboys. They have... They... They have they have a team that is that is top to bottom loaded. I mean there I have no complaints. I know there's I know we have our feelings about Dak, but I think a lot of it's coaching. I'm not saying that Dak doesn't have issues. He certainly does, but I think if you have better coaching, we need we'd have a better read on what Dak Prescott really is as a quarterback because statistically he's slinging it all over the place. He's a really good quarterback. Um the issue is the coaching is just so bad. And it's been bad for the past quarter century. Like you can you can match up when the coaching was good back when they were winning Super Bowls. And when it started getting bad when they stopped caring about coaching. Mike McCarthy, so you Jason Garrett is really bad as a head coach. And then so you decide to replace him, that's good. And you decide to replace him with the same guy except 80 pounds heavier. Please explain to me how how that makes any sense.
2: CJ. All right. So (laughs) let's just open with the fact that Green Bay, apparently in the playoffs, just has Dallas's number come hell or high water. Second, I just, Cowboys, I want you to sit down, and I want you to look at yourselves in the mirror. You wasted this season. You had, like, either the second best or the best season from Dak, CeeDee Lamb solidifying himself as a top three receiver, your O-line finally having some remnant of health, and Deron Bland and Michael Parsons both making a decent case for Defensive Player of the Year. And you lost... You lost to an Aaron rodgers Green Bay Packers. And look, I'm not taking anything away from Jordan Love, but everybody, myself included, thought this was just going to be a rebuilding year. Nope. Jordan Love saved his best for the playoffs and dropped 48 on you. And you got most of your points in the second half in garbage time just to try to make the score look semi-respectable. Oh my God. And I don't care... If they won the division, I I don't care, you know, that they barely uh,
0: won the division.
2: Yeah, they barely did. I I, I don't care. I genuinely don't care. I don't care about any of your accomplishments. You need, and I said this last year, you need to get rid of Mike McCarthy. Nothing will change if you do. And once again, stop me if you've heard this one before, but I, I also agree with Adam. He literally said that, you know, there's a plethora of good head coaches out there. Be it Vrabel, be it Carroll, or be it the great Bill Belichick. There is no reason with these people available for you to keep Mike McCarthy, who is literally just Jason Garrett, but not Ginger and less clapping. I just, I don't know. And the, what baffles me the most is that we all know the Cowboys are abysmal on the road. If you even watch a little bit of the NFL this season, this is not news but it's the fact that this happened to you in Dallas. I just, I know Adam likes to say, oh, but to say the Cowboys won't win in the playoffs because they're the Cowboys isn't analytical. My man, I, I don't know about that.
1: It's as not analytical.
2: As, it's, it's not, and not. yet here we are. How many times has this been the song and dance? They'll never make an NFC championship so long as Jerry Jones is all the strings he may have been a great mind for football once he is no longer
1: he's a pretty good gm he's he does a great job at, dra- at drafting players and he yeah. also brings in good talent through free agency and trades he, he did does. that yeah, this off personnel season.
2: wise he's not the complete package because his personnel decisions are garbage like coaching decisions coaching yes coaching with.
1: he cheaps out on but, coaching One hundred percent, and I think that's I think that's the issue you have to point.
2: And also, it might be time for his son to take over because I just want to give a quick little anecdote. In the twenty fourteen draft, the Cowboys were this close to taking Johnny Manziel. Jerry Jones wanted him, and his son stepped in and took Zach Martin instead. Zach Martin, who's only the best guard in the league and probably a future Hall of Famer, and apparently this isn't even the first time this has happened. His son has stepped in and made better personnel decisions so a lot of this i don't even think we can attribute like a lot of their successes probably go more to jerry jones's son than jerry jones himself
1: cd lamb was a very raw wide receiver prospect coming out of college i think he was a he was a popular bust candidate and they decided to take they and they decided to take him instead of drafting defense which a lot of people thought they were going to take people called them crazy they called them crazy afterwards But they also, but they said, yeah, he's crazy, but they picked a badass wide receiver who is now one of the best wide receivers in all of football.
2: That's cool. And look where that got them
1: to the playoffs. So,
2: okay. Yeah. And and you're out in round one after being the two, not because
1: of CD lamb because of coaching.
2: Yeah. Cool. And, and yet despite this, like that just, it's not translating to wins. Jerry Jones needs to step away. And maybe let his son or someone else take over because as long as he's pulling all the strings, they're never going to make it or at least get a good coach. And by the way, I know we can say, hey, maybe you should get Vrabel, Carroll, or Belichick, but there's another layer to this. Do we really think that Jerry Jones's micromanaging personality is going to mesh well if they get Bill Belichick with Bill Belichick's leave me the F alone, let me do my thing personality? There will be a big personality clash and one of them is going to have to yield and I'll, let me tell you it ain't going to be Bill. And Pete Carroll will be the same way and Mike Rabel will be the same way. Employees I agree something's got to give. That is I only. agree.
1: That's going to be the issue and that's a Jer- that is a Jerry Jones issue. You need to put your put your ego aside for once and allow the head coach to do his thing. You're it's all it's bad enough when the owner is also the GM. Like that's that is that's a bad enough issue, but when you try when you try to make it, if you're that insecure that you can't even have a great coach in there, that you have you have to have a, have a say in all of the decisions that happen everywhere in, in your organization. I mean, you've you've I mean, he he got rid of Tom Landry, he got rid of Bill Parcells, he yeah, wouldn't let Jimmy them Duff? do their jobs. Or
0: Jimmy, it, it's funny. It, no, the the thing with J- he yes. didn't get rid of Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson left. That's the thing. Back in oh, ninety three, yeah, right. yeah. back in ninety three, Jerry Jones said, "I want my power back," and Jimmy Johnson said, "All right, I'm gonna leave then." And that's how that relationship ended. And exactly. then they got pushed over Barry Switzer to start coaching. They got another ring by the hand of God, and they haven't won since. Jerry Jones. Ever since he took back his power, they have they've won one Super Bowl. But since then, like I said, that was because of the
1: hand of God. Ever since then, they haven't made because it back. Of Tom to the Landry. What? It was because of Tom Landry and I mean, Tom Landry, and they still had talent back then. Yeah. Like now, it's now it's not like that. I mean, well, they still have in, insanely good talent. Like throughout the entire, if you you have Dak Prescott and you have Tony Romo. In the past couple decades, two quarterbacks who are very good, the upper echelon, perennially among amongst quarterbacks, and you don't do anything with it. You don't even sniff a conference championship. If you don't think they're the guys to win Super Bowls, fine. But you can't make a conference championship with those guys. Also throwing to the likes of Des Bryant, Jason Witten, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Brandon the list Schultz. goes on. Dalton Schultz, Jalen Ferguson that's that's a reach but you know what i mean
0: yeah it i think that uh marcus spears on espn before the uh philly game said it best it's they like he pl- because he has played in dallas he went from dallas to baltimore and he said the difference between dallas and baltimore is like night and day because the coaches in dallas before they can even coach they're they're all stressed out they have to worry about this overlord of Jerry Jones coming down on them and micromanaging them on every single move that they make. Whereas in Baltimore, it's not like that. They don't have to worry about an owner breathing down your neck. So yeah, Jerry Jones can create some great rosters, but he needs to take a step back and just continue to write the checks.
1: I got to tell you, the and more I think about writing. this, the more that we discuss all of this, the more I really want to see what happens if those two mix him and Bill Belichick. Yeah. I think that would, and they better be on hard knocks too.
2: It, it's uh, funny. There's say gonna that, be a fight. There's gonna be it, like a literal physical fight between these two old men if that happens. It's funny. I have say that money that. on
0: Belichick. Oh, so,
2: oh yeah. Jerry, oh yeah. Give me Bill and four.
0: So Jerry Jones, back in the '90s, when um when Bill Belichick, I think it was either right after he got done with Cleveland or right around that time that he was in Cleveland. And he's told Jerry Jones, Hey, I can coach your team. And Jerry Jones said, we're good right now, but I'll, and Bill check said, keep me in mind. And Jerry Jones said that a couple of years ago on, uh, whatever talk show that they have in Dallas. He said that a couple of years ago, maybe he's keeping that in mind. Maybe he's keeping that in mind now.
1: If he if they put their dis- differences aside and actually work together then they can easily win a Super Bowl. They have the they have the talent to do it. They've had the talent for years. If they could just put everything aside and say listen, I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to restore my legacy being Bill Bill Belichick. Jerry Jones needs to restore his reputation being the the great sports mind who he once knew from the 90s. This is, and he's, he still kind of is in some ways you, they need, they, they need each other. They need each other. Put your egos in check, figure it out.
2: And the, and another thing is that it's not even about egos. It's about like basic football philosophy. Yo, know, Jerry Jones is very high flying flash throw around money, big time draft picks on big time names and bills, more quiet reserves, sit out in free agency, trade back in the draft. like. It's not even about personalities, it's literally about philosophy. And once again, like the typical Texas Western stereotype, I don't think that town's big enough for the two of them.
1: Sure. But if if Bill sits back and allows Jerry Jones to GM the way he does, and then Belichick coaches it, I think that's a great combination.
2: It should I'm just, be.
1: If it I'm I know it should. I know it should. I know what could easily happen i'm just saying what needs to happen if the cowboys want to win a super bowl because they're never going to win a super bowl the way they're doing it the way they've been doing it the past few decades they've been the butt of all jokes in america's team should not be that way
2: yeah that's fair also we've been talking about the cowboys but before we end before we like move on to the next topic i want to just say shout out green bay packers and jordan love Oh, my God. You've now drafted like your third straight great quarterback. I am mad. I am they jealous. They did it again. Yeah, they did it again. I
0: I also heard somewhere um, this has a lot of the same similarities to the Packers' 2010 season. The Packers beating the Bears in the final week of the season, and they sneak in to that last wild card spot. Oh, get out of Look here. Back, back at 2010. The Packers win the Super Bowl.
1: It's just the next topic. I, I team, I ain't let's move on. That. No, we're not doing that. We're we're, no, cost no that, bad. The Packers
0: team in 2010 is a lot was a much better team than what we have today. Exactly. Anyway.
1: Let's move on. All right, <laughs> let's Lions. talk about the other AFC, NFC North team.
0: Lions getting their first playoff win in over 30 years. This is the first time to- so long that Lions fans are finally able to text each other about a. Pl- About a Lions playoff win, and to kind of put into context of how big this win was, it they there was tears, a lot of people crying. And I ended up getting a text message or seeing a screenshot of a text message from one of my buddies who's uh friends with uh Lions fans, if I can read it, but or if I can find it, but regardless. Lions fans basically saw this as their Super Bowl. I feel like we won the Super Bowl, bro. I want to puke. This kid from Detroit at my work is at the game crying right now. Like, actually crying. Dude, I might cry. Literally never thought I'd see this in my life. And now they'll have another home playoff game next week. It's it's incredible. It's incredible the story that the Lions have put together. and good for the lions fans good for the team dan campbell a member of the owen 16 lions has finally come around full circle and brought the detroit lions a freaking playoff win finally um but looking at the rams first Geez, Matt Stafford did everything in his power to keep his team in this game. And the fact that the Rams were supposed to be in a rebuilding year and they were able to be this competitive and at least get a playoff spot shows the type of job that Sean McVay can do. And the Rams are kind of like the Texans at this rate. They're a little bit ahead of schedule now in terms of where they are league wise. Granted, the Texans are definitely a better team than the Rams, but Nonetheless, and Matt Stafford was getting the hell beat out of him in this game, too. It looked like he freaking got killed on one of the plays like his eyes rolled back and rolled into the back of his head. It looked like and playing hurt was able to muscle through it, did what he could, got the Rams to lose by one. But at the end of the day, the Lions, it's their time it's their time. But I'm not completely sold on the Lions defense still. It 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 kind of felt like the Lions defense was about to blow the game. And then Sean McVay ended up using two of his timeouts in the third quarter, and so now they're stuck with one timeout left with 5 minutes left in the game. So in a sense the Lions kind of got saved by McVay kind of being a jackass in that sense, but regardless, fantastic win for the lions. Uh,
1: Yeah. I don't know how far this, this lions team can go, but the fact that they're facing the Buccaneers, the nine and eight Buccaneers next week, and they're hosting them. That's huge for them. And they have a very solid shot at making the conference championship. Now, Will they get past the 49ers, assuming that the Niners get that far? Um, I don't think so. I think there, I think there's a bit of a there is a bit of a uh a wall there. I thought I thought this Lions team was gonna be much better than they have been this year. I don't want to take any credit away from them, but I expected them to be good. And they haven't been as good as I thought they would. Um as for the Lion, as for the Rams again like this is a team that played above above expectations they were supposed to be rebuilding they hit on some I mean they not just hit on some on some later round talent they knocked it out of the park with Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup got healthy again made that offense electric once more Um, that's all luck and maybe they get better because Matthew Stafford isn't that old he can still he still has some good football left in him but i mean this was the this is the lions time not the rams and the lions they they have some hope they got hope i just am not sure about the ceiling of this lions team they're getting pretty close to their ceiling i think they're not a super bowl team
0: especially now with san francisco potentially standing in the way but cj your thoughts
2: Huh. At the end of the day, I just think Detroit wanted it more. That's really what I think it comes down to. The Rams, I think have a few more stars, they have more flash, but it was just Detroit, like I said, their brand of tough, gritty, in your face, bite your kneecaps off football. That's what I really think won them the day. And much like you guys, I am also not entirely sure of how high their ceiling is, but it doesn't matter. If I'm, if you're a Detroit fan, sit back and you can finally say, things are turning around. We won a playoff game. I am not going to really say anything super negative against them. I'm happy for them. Let me just say, as a Pats fan, Wow, this puts all that winning into perspective, doesn't it? Chris, you mentioned how you couldn't even text someone that they had won a game the last time the Lions won a playoff game. It's not even that. Really think. The smartphone in general was not a thing. Like these portable laptops and stuff, not really a thing. A lot of these, the technology, not, not even a thing. Heck. You know, we're all Star Wars fans. Star Wars only had three movies back then. George H.W. Bush. Bush Sr. was president. Good Lord. Like, this was a truly different era. And the fact they had to wait so long, man, I'm just, you know, it puts it in perspective. And let's talk about the Rams. The Rams are in a unique spot this offseason. They actually have a first-round pick. For the first time since Jared Goff, Les Snee has finally stopped saying "f them picks," and he actually has a—they a, have a first rounder to play with. And I actually don't know how much cap space they may or may not have. Do you guys happen to know this? Uh, no, can, not in my head. Because I because I, that can. uh Oh, hold on, I'm I'm here now. The Rams you on spot track. Uh, yes, I am. The Rams have forty-eight point two million cap space, making them 11th overall. So they do have a little bit of wiggle room.
1: They have some money. They
2: do. And it's just, I respectfully disagree when y'all say that they're like the Texans, because Stafford is 35. You're not going to have Aaron Donald around forever. You have to start fortifying some of these positions where you're a bit older, and you got to do it now. Oh, but they're not the all,
1: Texans. Not even close.
2: Wait, then who, which one do you say? Oh, wait, unless you said that they, the, the the Lions are like the Texans.
1: Who said the Lions are like the Texans?
2: I, I didn't say, I you. said
0: that the, Ram, or the Rams were like the Texans in the sense that the Rams we're, are we're kind of ahead of schedule right uh, now. But the Texans are I mean, in their own little area. I was
2: going to say, like, I feel like this could be, if the Rams, I actually think they're skating on thin ice. Like I said, Aaron Donald. You know, he almost apparently almost retired last year. He almost retired after the Super Bowl. Yep. And Stafford is 35. We'll see how that works out. You do have some young guys, but you're about to lose some of your stalwarts to age. And you might be skating on thin ice. All I'm going to say is plan this offseason very carefully. Like, even one wrong move might actually send you back to the dark age, especially since you have a lot of good young guys like Nakua and Williams. That I mean, they're, they've only been in the league for one year, but hey, those rookie deals expire fast.
1: And also, if you're out of all the positions that they could have knocked out of the park late in the later rounds, I think running back is the worst one, not only because running backs are so easy to find good ones. Also, because they age like milk, so if that's a quarter stone of your franchise, it's not going to last long. I think it's more. There's more value out of finding Nakua than there is than there is Williams. Like you can find a solid running game anywhere, but you you have a star running you have a star running back that you're basing your whole fr- whole franchise around. That's not no. It's Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua who are the guys who are the key to why this team was able to really. Um, really bounce back after such a tough year following their, their Super Bowl victory. Um, but then again, they have their first round picks back. They actually have first round picks. Their first one since 2016 is coming up, which is amazing. Yeah. So use that well.
0: One more storyline I want to point out is the before we move on, finally, is the Jared Goff. Um, The Jared Goff revenge game. Obviously, the big story was Stafford coming back to Detroit and trying to uh, prevent Detroit from getting this playoff win, how everything came full circle. But really, it was Jared Goff that ended up stealing the show. All of Detroit was was behind Jared Goff. There was many chance for Jared Goff in the stands. And many people forget that. Sean McVay drove Jared Goff out of L.A. At one point, he was one of the most hated men in L.A. And here he is now as one of the most beloved people in Detroit. And with that, we'll move on to the next segment. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the Monday night football playoff games. You're listening to the Fulmaruski podcast.
2: The, Wildcats. Sammy Watkins for the touchdown.
0: You're listening to the Full Marusky Podcast by Power 88 Dean Radio and Zero Weapon Consulting. Chris Kostic, Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros. The Monday Night Games. Bills getting the job done against the Steelers. They finally were able to get this game going. And the weather was so bad, you would have thought that maybe they even delayed till today. We could be talking about the Bills game at the moment as it's going on. But they finally got all the shovelers out there. They got the field ready to go. And Bills Mafia as active as ever. And the Bills getting the win over the Steelers 31 to 17, where they will now host the Chiefs next week and this was a pretty tight game for the most part. Uh Steelers to their credit hung in there for as long as they possibly could up until the last 10 minutes of this game where the Bills finally put the nail in the coffin. Um wasn't re- wasn't really a whole lot that I had in mind for this game. Uh Josh Allen with three touchdowns, once again kind of putting the team on his back. No turnovers this game, which was huge. Um but all around a good win for Buffalo. I, I don't really have much on the dome for, for this one.
1: Um, yeah. Bring back snowballs. Why do, why do we have to not play these games? Just shovel as you go find some way, but the game, the game must go on. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man, I've
0: been to Buffalo. The weather sucks out there, man. Like, I don't care when there's there's a travel ban. You, you got to follow that.
1: No, we're playing (laughs) play football. Football matters. The show must go on. Bring back snowballs, man. It feels like every time there's bad weather that there, that there's some sort of delay or postponement. Just get the game going, especially if it's Buffalo. That's a little soft. You're a cold weather team. Who's supposed to be used to this weather and you're bitching and complaining and saying you want to live, you want to play in a dome. Don't make the same mistake. The Vikings made
0: actually. So the new Buffalo stadium, I don't know if you guys have seen the, um, the uh, building plans for that. So the new Buffalo state, sorry to get away from the game, but um, the new Buffalo stadium, they actually reached out to season ticket holders and said, what is your biggest concern?" They said they don't want a dome, but their biggest thing is that they don't want they're they're fine being cold, but they don't want to be wet. So, what do well, we the have? Things kind of go well, hand, in hand,
2: hand in hand. That's so. That's, what,
0: so, what do they do instead? So, they replicate the stadium out in Tottenham, where they have the little bowl. The field is still going to be uncovered, but the stands will be covered. Now the stands will still get a little wet, but the stands will be covered much like how the stadium is in Tonham. <sighs> well, if listen, that makes sense.
1: Uh, just just be a cold weather team. Just, I mean, they're
0: still playing outside. They're, they're still they're cancelling half their games.
1: games. Feels like half the time that there's a cancellation is because of Buffalo. Like just get the game going. Play. You're, You're a still cold want weather team. You still
0: You're want supposed to be used to, to this there. weather. Don't
1: go to Detroit. Like, come on, give me a freaking break. Um, I wanted I wanted to take one angle towards uh the Steelers, which is this team. I don't know what they need to do to break out of this little mediocrity uh phase, but they need to figure it out because you are tied for the most Super Bowls in NFL history. And you can't. All you can brag about is having five, uh, five, uh, uh, above five hundred seasons every year. Is that what we're going to hang our hat on now? Are we just going to sit in mediocrity? You are the mighty Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steel Curtain, and you can't go better than nine and eight. That like some you have. There's something that needs to be done there. The fact that they're settling on Kenny Pickett in the first round—if you use a first-round pick in in the uh, Jesus—if you use a first-round pick on a quarterback ever, you are not settling on Kenny Pickett. You are going for the long ball, especially if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have good talent around you, but why do you have Matt Canada as your offensive coordinator? Why are you settling for Kenny Pickett? Find something better. Find a way to get to actually become a Super Bowl contender. Because you look at this matchup in hindsight. If this if we were talking about this five years ago, we'd be thinking, Steelers, Bills? The Steelers are winning this by a mile. Nope. It's not that way. It's actually the Bills. And the Steelers are the joke of the NFL now. Which it, should it, not it should not be that way.
0: It's, it's bad. The same thing when, with the Cowboys.
1: Like, why are we settling for this?
0: It's bad when the quarterback that is most known for getting hit over the head with a helmet by miles Garrett, and then proceeding to get knocked the hell out. in the next week is performing much better than your first round quarterback. CJ, your thoughts.
2: This is why I say whenever Steelers go, well, yeah, maybe we're just mediocre, but Hey, Tomlin's extending his, uh, plus 500, you know, or 500 or more, you know, w- season record or whatever, which is this is why exactly if I say, okay, what trophy do you get for that? Please show me the awards you get for that. I'm not saying Tomlin's a bad coach. Far from it. I, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that they I just I don't know what it is. Well actually I do know what it is. You don't have a quarterback. They're saying it less Yep, and even when Big Ben's Twilight, it was getting bad. I mean, your defense, oh my God. Look, everyone likes to say, oh, the steel curtain, the defense is so good. This defense is a bunch of bargain bin rental players that are being held together by duct tape called Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. And to a lesser extent, Alex Highsmith like You have three good players on your defense, and the rest of them are young, but could come along like Joey Porter Jr. and Keanu Benton. But it's just... this, And then you saw what happened in the press conference, right? Mike Tomlin was asked about his future and just left. He has one year left on his deal. And let me tell you something. One thing, and I've said this on the show, that kills Pittsburgh is pride. Which is why them axing Matt Canada halfway through the year was so instrumental because remember what we said, the last time that they got rid of any kind of coach halfway through the season was literally before America's involvement in world war II. Unironically, it was that bad. And, and so, like I said, so Pittsburgh does not fire coaches. They just let their contracts expire and don't resign them. And part of me wonders, could that be happening with Mike Tomlin? Because, like I said, he's a really good coach, but something isn't working. And for all the test-thumping they do about their drafting ability, like, huh, every year we get a good receiver in the draft, it's like, yeah, it's like you made a wish to get a good receiver, but you made that wish on a monkey's paw, meaning your wishes will come back to haunt you in unforeseeable ways. Every receiver that they've drafted is a head case. And it's just, there's always so much drama in their locker room. Like, it's not even funny. It's actually getting concerning. Like, just how toxic their players are getting. This preseason, we remember Joey Porter Jr.'s holdout. Remember that? Being a second round pick and holding out. What? And then, look, and then, you know, there was like Big Ben, who, you know, was actively trying to set an example for someone like Deshaun Watson. There was Le'Veon Bell who had the whole money debacle and all these elite receivers you have, you know, like Antonio Brown, Juju, Martavis Bryant, Chase Claypool, and now Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. I'm starting to think that in Pittsburgh, there is a cultural rot. And when you have players that have egos popping up like weeds, something has to happen and something has to happen fast. I actually think, like New England and Bill Belichick, the Steelers could use a mutual parting of ways. And the Bills, yes, the Bills are heating up. Yes, you did end up winning the game, but you don't get any, hey, congratulations for beating the Steelers. Beat the Chiefs, then we'll talk.
0: I like it. Uh, Any last thoughts before we move on to the final game of Super Wild Card Weekend? Baker Mayfield continuing his redemption run with a win over the Eagles and it wasn't even close 32 to 9 nice little nice little revenge from earlier this year where the bucks lost 25 to 11 and it in the bucks case it felt very much like their like the game earlier this year the bucks really could have been in that game If they didn't keep stepping on their toes and the Bucks kept stepping on their own toes for, especially in the first half, the amount of drops that these Bucks receivers had was insane. Like Mike Evans having two big drops. He's good for one bad drop, but he had two bad drops. Kate Otten, three drops, and he ended up having eight catches for 89 yards for some reason. And the run game for Tampa as well, that was one of their big weak points. And even the run game was kind of popping off. Rashad White, 18 carries, 72 yards. Baker Mayfield, though, 22 for 36. Probably should have been better. But regardless, 337 yards passing and three touchdowns. And this is all while getting sacked four times as well. What, what an unbelievable win. What a great story Baker Mayfield has been. After being chased out of Cleveland by Kevin Stefanski, to trying to revive his career in Carolina and LA, and here he is now having a career year
1: in Tampa Bay. It's it's unbelievable. This is a great run for him, which was career saving. Um, this, I mean, that's that's all there is to it the rams were a his little short stint with the rams towards the end of last season was a nice stepping stone to get that opportunity that full-time opportunity with the bucks but um his next contract that he gets is going to be a multi-year one most likely. He's going to get a good he's going to get a good shot to be a placeholder somewhere or to be a competitive quarterback on a team that's looking to contend for now while they're rebuilding. That's about it. I, I like Baker Mayfield. He seems like a good kid. He seems like a good leader. There are just some limitations you just can't overcome. He's not that good of a quarterback. I really like him. He's solid. He could be a starting quarterback on a team that's rebuilding. And while they stay competitive, like a Geno Smith. But I think that's about it. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He's a solid quarterback. He's a good dude. He seems like a nice guy. Um, as for the
0: Eagles... Let's let's save the Eagles All in right. a sec. Uh, it's CJ, okay. your your thought on the Bucks and this this big run and redemption tour that Baker has been on?
2: I also believe that his next multi year contract, I mean his next contract will be a multi year one, and I think Tampa should give it to him because earlier we mentioned how their quarterbacks like Tua and Purdy who maybe aren't the best in the world, but are armed to the teeth with weapons. Ditto Baker Mayfield. You know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White's breaking out, Cade Otten's breaking out, the O-line's decent, the D-line's decent. There's something to build on in Tampa, and all you need is just a little, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's It's just you just need a little more. Because they did win their division. And even though that whole division was an abhorrent dumpster fire, they still won it and they still finished above 500. And I still think they do. There's like a lot more that they can do. You know, however, what you want to do is avoid the Seahawks mistake, like where you gave Geno Smith that much money. I don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to demand that much money. I don't think he will but overall this is a team that i think has a slightly higher ceiling and and this beat down on philly proved it because from a name value standpoint philly's pretty good but then again they did have their own issues yep
0: and with with that we'll move on to philly this was one of the worst tackling exhibitions I have ever seen in my 23 years of watching football it was insanely bad I I just couldn't believe it it like when Mike was from Squawking Eagles was on a couple weeks ago talking about how it seems that the Eagles kind of just forgot how to play football this is like the embodiment it's like the number one point right here is that they just completely forgot how to tackle. And it was so bad that the broadcast had it as a talking point. Like the start of the second quarter was the talking point. They, it was just so bad. Two big touchdowns were made because of bad tackling on top of that too. Yeah. You had AJ Brown that was hurt and Deandre Swift couldn't get anything going on on the ground 2 back to back third and twos. They did not run the ball. And that has been one of the biggest things that Eagles fans have been tearing their hair out about is the lack of running the ball. Now, granted, Philly did go down late, so they kind of had to start chucking it around. But DeAndre Swift only getting 10 carries is criminal. That's just criminal. And Devontae Smith, he, geez, he was the MVP of the offense that night or last night. He, some of the catches he was making, were pretty insane. He was doing everything in his power to keep his team in the game. Uh, Jalen hurts. I don't know what the hell happened to Jalen hurts. He, he sucks, but if we're going to, and also um, also want to point out Jason Kelsey, also announcing his retirement as well, which is pretty sad. Um, Amazing career for him. It's too bad that it, ends like this but hopefully a first ballot all-famer anyways if we're gonna give a takeaway out of any of this it seems that all philly wants it as well maybe you fire nick sirianni and yeah he made a super bowl run last year but the the way that this team collapsed is just so wild and the way that it happened to, and you could kind of see it coming from the beginning of the season. And you could actually see it from the Monday night football game against Tampa Bay back in week three or whenever that was, you could kind of see little glimpses of some turmoil going on. AJ Brown, freaking out on the sideline about not getting touches or just overall production of the offense. And more and more throughout the year, you heard more and more about this turmoil, and here we are, right after Sirianni's yelling at fans in the tunnel. Yeah, congrats, you won. It's not the Super Bowl, though. Ever since then, they only they lost six out of their last seven.
1: I don't blame coaching. I blame the way the team was structured. This is why. This is why we don't win. We don't win with run-first offenses, because you because. If you're not able to throw against a team that can throw, then you're going to be left in the dust. Just rush rushing teams don't work out. And we were talking about this Eagles team all season long. We were saying they're running, they're leaning way too much into this rushing game. If one team shuts them down and forces forces them to throw more, then they're screwed. They're dead in the water. And this is what happened. Philadelphia rushed the ball 15 times. They averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Okay. So you abandon the running game. Rightfully so, because it's not working out. They threw for 25. They threw 25 times. And Jalen Hurts only managed 250 yards and a touchdown. Not terrible, but if you're in a shootout, then you're going to lose 32 to nine. That's the issue. Jalen Hurts, I like his throwing ability. It's okay. But clearly, he was leading on A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So there's my issue. And that's why I never agreed with with Jalen Hurts being an MVP. Doesn't have enough of a throwing ability for him to get that award.
2: Well, (laughs) well, it's all come full circle, hasn't it? This is a disaster. And do you know how I know it's a disaster? Because. Because Well, other than that, yes. Th- thank you, Kareem Jean-Pierre. Very insightful. I kid.
1: But Every 60 seconds in Africa, a minute passes.
2: That's a Booger McFarlane, Jen Psaki type smartness there. But how I know, because Lane Johnson, who's widely considered for some reason one of the leaders there. I'm kidding about when I say for some reason. But listen, he says, and I quote, and I'll leave out the swear words because Adam will have a stroke if I repeat them on the podcast. We had six weeks to tell you how we were going to fix it. We didn't do expletive. Sometimes you go out there and expletive around and find out. And we found out. That was it. They didn't fix anything. When their game plan started falling apart, instead of trying to make a change, they doubled down. And Nick Sirianni, for all the trash talk he did, you know, from heckling the Chiefs fans to you know, being snotty at press conferences. Look what happened. Look what happened. You got embarrassed. And with all that roster, with all the talent on your roster, with that team, you were out in the first round. You had a collapse that mirrored the 2020 Steelers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How did this happen? There's just no mental toughness. There's no adjustment. And Nick Bosa, by the way, looked like he was correct when he said, I don't know if you remember, he said, we put out a blueprint to stop Philly. Indeed, they did. I mean, you know, it's bad when even their brotherly shove or tush push didn't even work when they tried to go for two. So for Philly, I don't know where you go from here. Oh, oh, and by the way, shout out James Bradbury. He got benched. I mean, we knew he was a liability, but this man got benched. But yeah, back to what I was saying, I don't know where you go from here with Philly. I mean, I don't, I mean, everybody I know, and by the way, I have family, right? In that area, not in Philly, but in like the surrounding states. And they're telling me, that everybody there wants Nick Sirianni's head on a platter. I don't think they're going to get it. I don't think they're going to fire him. The only way they move on from Sirianni is if they can get a Belichick or a Carroll.
1: Which this out of all the years, this is the year you're going to do it because there's all of so. these good head coach. This I don't think I've ever seen an of uh, an off where so many quality head coaches have been have been available. Carroll, there's Belichick, Harbaugh. Car- uh, well Brable, yeah
0: the thing with, uh, with carol though is that he's going to
1: be in an advisor
0: position in seattle that was the i unless, don't know.
1: unless he um, tells him to pound sand and says i'm going to find a head coach position somewhere else yeah which
2: he could and did you see what p carol said about his firing he said the guys that made that decision are and i quote not football guys <clears throat> so we could just say screw
1: you i'm going somewhere else yeah. That's go exactly to, go what to the I Eagles. That's exact. I mean, they look exactly like what the Legion of Boom was 10 years ago.
2: Save for good. That's B-B- a team
1: I would I- that's a team I would take over and probably coach it a lot better.
0: I don't know that that Seahawks Legion of Boom team was something else. I, I don't know if I don't know if this Eagles team could replicate that because you'd have to have Cam Chancellor huh? hunting you over the middle when to take your head off
1: let me rephrase then they are structured the same way run first quarterback they have a solid passing game and they have a ferocious defense when it's its head is screwed on straight they need to replace james bradbury but um they have a really good defense that can be a lot better than it was this past year
0: Yeah, as long as they don't have Matt Patricia or whoever the other guy was calling plays. Get that guy the hell
1: out of there. Who who made that decision to have Matt Patricia start calling plays? Probably Nick Sirianni. I would imagine. He had bad stops in Detroit. He was bad in his second year, in his second stint with New England. The only time that you could say he was good was his first stint in New England where you could legitimately make the case that was mostly Belichick. Because once he left the the defense stayed the same. It's not like anything changed. i that I digress there. That's the, that's the diff, point. But,
0: that's the thing yeah. is that the diff like this is the same at Patricia that let Nick Foles be Super Bowl MVP.
2: Exactly. He did,
1: but I care I care more about the fact that Belichick benched Butler. I think that was. We're a not. Bad no, idea.
2: no, we're not doing this again, Adam. No, please. I, I do not I'm gonna. to really stop, stop you right there. You. All right. Yeah, look, look. I respect it, but I, I'm not batting this around with you again. It you place have Eric anything.
1: Rowe on Alshon Jeffery. You not t- exactly anything. What coming it to would
2: you. not have changed anything. It literally it would, have would not have. No teams were picking on Butler that whole year. They were. Their game plans were literally to target him.
1: So, He's still better than Eric Rowe much better than eric rowe and okay, we know these yeah. going to go up.
2: and a golden trash bag is still better than a regular trash bag what's your point
1: eric
0: rowe well, is also covering julio jones in the prior super bowl as well and he was also guarding chris matthews in the seattle super bowl when chris matthews for some reason was Randy moss eric rowe, for, whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: respectfully, prior, eric rowe the- was not on that super bowl 49 team I'll stop you right he's, there. He's
1: talking about no, been, no, no, He's talking about fifty-one, but they had Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan, and Malcolm Butler actually looked like the Malcolm Butler that we know and love that year.
2: Yeah, and then there was a noticeable regression that year. Also, wait. So I don't know who was on Chris Matthews. I think it might have been Kyle Arrington. That's yeah, it was
1: start. either Arrington or Logan Ryan. It was Arrington, and then they got benched, and they benched played. him for Malcolm Butler. The rest was history.
0: No, they put Brandon Browner on Chris Matthews, and
1: right. That's were, right. That's right. And then Doug oh Ball. And then um, somebody was on Malcolm Butler. They they bench Kyle Arrington. But oh, Butler, was was, was, not- Butler was in that game, and he, he started. On Jermaine really Curse, well. Curse and yeah, Will
0: Revis was, was on. We're getting way off topic, uh,
1: and we're an hour twenty into the yeah. show. So well, we'll Scale cut it up.
0: down. Um, yeah. So kind of just to end, we don't know what's going to happen with Philly. Um. seems all of Philly wants Nick Sirianni's head right now. Chance of that happening don't seem very realistic, especially with the Jay Glazer report that came out prior to the game, that there's no signs to suggest that Sirianni's job is in danger, uh, even with a loss to Tampa Bay, which obviously happened. Um. So who knows? Maybe maybe we do see Sirianna get fired in the next couple of weeks or the next month. Who knows? Um, last thoughts before we end the show, fellas.
1: Uh I can't wait for the divisional round. I hope there's better football because most of these games were blowouts. And the, and the ones that weren't blowouts were still kind of boring.
0: I mean, Lions Rams is still knock them, sock 'em type of game. That One was that at the end. That was a grinded out type of game. I, I love those types of games.
1: Grind it out, but you need a good ending. We need fireworks at the end.
0: Yeah. CJ, anything else from you?
2: Joe Flacco is not elite, kids. We learned that the hard way.
0: He was elite once, just not anymore.
2: Fire Sirianni. No, no he wasn't.
0: Yes, he Fire was Fire Sirianni. Fire McCarthy. All right. That'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening. We have new episodes coming out on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard and Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and so much more. And be sure to follow our Instagram, FumbleRuski_Podcast underscore podcast, and our TikTok, FumbleRuskiPod to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the on the NFL. Otherwise, for myself, Chris Kostic, from Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, we will see you on Friday, over and out.